when I got my first like legit haircut, you know, opposed from, you know, Haitian barbers giving me a cut and just giving me a low boy zero all over and, you know, I'm getting cracked on at school. But when I got that first cut, that first real deal line up sharp and, you know, you, you just felt like you could conquer the world. And, yeah. Bro, I, I, when I started cutting and I started giving people that feeling, uh, it's almost like a drug. You just wanted more of it. Yeah, definitely. So then we need somebody to look up to for who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bang, you know, keeping faith, whatever, whatever. Definitely look the edge, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you know, we look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and keep us motivated. So, yeah. Welcome to the Dreams Mind and Means Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today I have a very special guest here on the show. Um, I say that for about every guest that comes on the show because every guest is special, but this is a very special guest. Uh, when it comes to hosting a podcast, being here on camera talking to you, you got to look good, you got to feel good. And today I'm happy to welcome my barber, Rod Nail the Barber, here on the show, Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. What's good, bro? What's good, bit dog? How are you? Well, you looking sharp, bro. I know, man. I appreciate it. Some, some dude, some, some, some cool some Asian guy cut me. I don't, I don't even know his name. But nah, man. Um, for those who don't know you, they don't know Ronnell, they don't know your story, tell the people just briefly about who you are, where you're from. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am Haitian descent. My parents are both from um, Haiti. I'm Haitian-American, born and raised in Florida, Pompano Beach, Florida, uh, at that. Um, yeah, man, uh, definitely have a Christian background. I was raised in a, a Christian household, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, to say that, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, some of you said in the beginning, I feel like um, since I've relocated here from D.C., I noticed that Haitians are very, very proud, and they're going to let you know off rip. Off rip. Haitian, Haitian, Haitian. But, like, what, 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 does that, what does that come from? And I guess I'm asking, because I had other guests on the show, and that's the first thing they say, like, hey, I'm, I'm from Haiti. Hey, I'm Haitian-American. So, like, yeah. what does that pride come from? Man, because there's a lot of uh, negative connotations coming from, you know, when you hear Haiti or, you know, back in the day. Now we were a little bit more... You know, people want to know Haitians, people want to be a part of the Haitian culture and stuff like that. But, you know, there's still people that look at Haiti or look at what's going on, certain things that's going on in Haiti. And they kind of downplay it and say, Haiti's this, Haiti's that. Um, but to see, you know, like my parents to come from where they came from and to to be successful in the way that they have been successful. Um, it's you got to be proud of that, man. They yeah. to, to overcome. And, you know, my dad was literally came here on the boat. You yeah. know, my mom, you know, she came here. Uh, you know, she flew here, but you know, to see how my dad got here and to see what he's built with my mom when they got together, um, you got to be proud of that, man. Yeah. You got to be proud of that. No, they, no, they, sure. they definitely overcame. So yeah, they're, they're they're definitely two of my heroes. Yeah, and and I know you mentioned being raised Christian. So how how does you know faith and religion kind of play like a role in your life? Uh, it it plays oh a tremendous role. Now don't get me wrong, I had some stumps where. Uh, we'll get into that, um, but uh, I had some stumps where I wasn't really, you know, I was kind of like a backslider and stuff like that, yeah. and, you know, I had to find out things for myself um, opposed to what was given to me to learn, and, um, you know, as you get older, and um, in a lot of cultures, but for me personally, in the Haitian culture, like, you're, you, there's three L's, Leko, Leglis, and Lakai, that's, yeah. that's the house, school, and church, you know, and, um, 
you know, they our, our Haitian parents, they mean well, but a lot of the times, you know, the delivery is, is, is different. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of forced in a sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rather than uh, they allow you to kind of learn on your own and right, build right. a relationship <laughs> on your own. So, um, you know, uh, you know, went through a few bumps in the road where, you know, my faith was definitely, um, you know, uh, tempted. Uh, but um, uh, like I said, being raised how I was raised there's certain morals and um, things that, that are in me that I couldn't stray too far away from. Right. right. So um, that's, you, you know, we'll, like I said, we'll get We'll get into, yeah. into that portion of it. Yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, I can relate to that. But I was the same way raised in the church. Um, apostolic church, you know, grandfathering a deacon 40 years. You go to grandma house Saturday, you know, you was going to church Sunday, yeah. Sunday school. And, and I agree with what you're saying. Well, like when we were brought up, it really was, it's pushed all yeah, the way yeah, home. Yeah. Like, it's that, that'll go home. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's over. And it's like, I remember I used to go to school and stuff and like, you learn about how other people's lives and their Sunday's going or their Halloween's. I was oh, like, we nah. didn't even do Halloween. Halloween? You know? like, <laughs> where lights off in the house. Uh, we got a sign. Don't nobody live here. Don't yeah. knock on the door. Yeah, nah. yeah but even like I think about, just because you got me thinking in my own memory lane. I remember my grandmother, you know, she would call all the rap music, devil music. <laughs> and one day she came home, she threw all my CDs in the travel so mad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but nah, man, that's, uh, that's what's up though. Now, it's, to hear you say that now, for me knowing you and like over, you know, past with three years knowing you, um, I think you exemplify that. You know what I mean? Just having that, that, that you know, when you said people got that spirit, that yeah, church spirit, yeah. that caring that, spirit. Yeah, yeah, I do. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times that comes from being raised in the church because you're taught to be selfless. You're taught yeah. to submit to God, you know, yourself a second and all that type yeah. of stuff. So that's what's up, bro. But also, too, you mentioned Pompano. And we got to talk about Pompano because <laughs> the followers here, especially my folks from D.C., they did not understand. They're like, yo, what do you love so much about Pompano Beach that you left D.C., you moved to Pompano? And then, they, you know, some of them come there to visit and they'd be like hold on it's a little it's a little active around yeah, here nah, nah, so yeah. talk about Pompano Beach though because I think when people think of Broward you think Miami Fort Lauderdale you know West Palm whatever you think of South Florida but Pompano is like its own world and I'm speaking from experience I mean, <laughs> haven't lived it before so just talk about going to Pompano Man, Pompano is so look. If it wasn't for Kodak, I got to shout out Kodak. <laughs> uh, but even well, way way before Kodak, man, Pompano is is it, it's in his own man. When it comes from sports, music, uh, uh, everything, bro, the vibe, you know, clubs, uh, even some of the you know biggest churches are in Broward. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, I'm from Pompano, Pompano at that. Uh, now nah, it's it's literally it's it's a different lifestyle down here, man. Pompano is literally. It's, you, you sometimes you can almost feel like Pompano is not in Broward. It's its own thing. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Um, this, I don't know how to. I ain't. I ain't expect that question. You caught me surprised. Pompano is Pompano, man. I mean, and you know why I asked it though? Because I think, like you said, kind of how you said earlier about like the the um, negative stereotypes people may have about yeah, Haitians. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Pompano has a negative stereotype too. Like, because even when I first moved, that was the thing the lady at the hotel told me. She said, "Whatever you do, don't move to Pompano." <laughs> and I happened to move to Pompano by accident. But when I would tell people I lived in Pompano, that would be their reaction. Like, what? Huh? And I was like, it's cool to me, you know, met some good people there. Beautiful you know? people in Pompano, man. And, 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 and I love the community there where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to tell you what it's I love. Melting pot, man. It's yeah, a you, pot, you man. like on a Atlantic, 31st, 27th, whatever. You a ride past is like a field. There's people they having like a block party. Yeah. So every Friday, bro, just blast the, the music. <laughs> All the time, bro. So I, th- I wanted to ask that, though, just so people get more of an understanding of like, you know, 
pumped because people, like I say, they ask, what you like about Broward? And I tell them, too, I say, it kind of remind me of a smaller, smaller D.C. And I mean, everything that comes with it, the good, the bad, oh, all yeah. that. But it just reminds me of a smaller version of D.C., but, yeah. No, yeah, Pompano is definitely, um, there's definitely a lot of, it's not as big. I would, you know, I kind of look at uh, Pompano like a mini, like I've been to Atlanta sometimes, yeah. and there's a lot of, uh, we're def- definitely diverse business-wise with uh, our cultured people. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you know, you know, it's not advertised like that. But mm-hmm. if you're from here, you know who's doing what. You know, um, right, right, you know, right. there's a lot of big business professionals down here. Um, once again, I get I tap into the sports because sports is huge down here. Yeah. Um, a lot of athletes come from down here. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of sh- tells a lot about Pompano in, the, in, in its in its whole. Because um, just like anywhere else, um, there's a lot of negative connotations, like you were saying. And, um, you know, people, you know, they definitely know how to overcome um, down here, whether they're not athletes, whether they're not, um, you know, rappers or anything like that. Um, you know, it's a big melting pot and people just I think the, where the people are from, because it's a melting pot, there's a lot of Haitians, Jamaicans, Bahamians. Um, and they 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 build up they built up Pompano man um, mm. to what it is nowadays and and you go close we got the beach right here there's tons of million dollar homes down there and that says a lot about the type of people that want to move down here and um, yeah man Pompano Pompano's amazing man yeah yeah now um, outside of that as well like you know we said earlier some of the negative stereotypes that it, um, that I would say a lot of communities and cities whatever the case mm-hmm. they may have but. Um, there's also some facts that is included in there. You know, Pompano is no stranger to violence, poverty, mm-hmm. um, all those different type of things. So how did that impact you, you know, growing up? Um, if it was, uh, you was experiencing that or your peers, you know, things were experiencing some of those negative things that went on there. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of, yeah, definitely. So growing up in Pompano, um, you know, with the police and, uh, you know, the violence and the drugs and everything like that, I got to commend my parents because... I didn't really get too in depth with that type of upbringing. My parents were really, you know, they, they kind of strayed us away from that in a sense. Um, but, you know, definitely had a lot of friends that were that were in the streets and, you know, I was able to maneuver outside of that. Uh, my, my church background kind of helped with that to help me make the right decisions and stuff like that. But, um, but definitely, you know, I, just like anywhere else, man, you're gonna, every, I think it's, it's really your decision making, um, in a sense, because anywhere you go, you're gonna be faced with certain decisions based on your environment. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm I'm blessed to say, you know, I have, you know, I'm not incarcerated. I'm here, yeah. um, striving and trying to build uh, the businesses and work in the community. Um, you know, like the back to school bash we have this weekend, yeah. um, and just a few other things that I do. Do I think it, it takes it, it, it takes everybody to make your community better? And I think Pompano does that a lot. They do that very well. Uh, with people giving back to their community, yeah. Because um, I, I work hand in hand with a lot of people um, with uh, my homeless uh, outreach that I have with my nonprofit, and um, work hand in hand with um, youth mental health outreach that I have and stuff like that. And just you see a lot of people that are just trying to make Pompano, Broward, for Lauderdale, just a better place. Yeah, and yeah. It's all. Yeah, and um, I know you do a lot of that youth outreach. I know you volunteer at the uh, youth, is it the detention center? The detention center, yeah. Um, you know, you got the back-of-school drive coming up. So for yourself, when you were a teen, 
you know, uh, uh, growing up outside of your parents, did you have like mentors, organizations, the rec center to kind of rely on to keep you out of trouble? Yes, okay. we did. But, uh, you know, I, I got in trouble a lot. So the, <laughs> like the YMCA's, we, we got a lot of YMCA's down here. Yeah. Um, which have good outreaches, but me going to those outreaches, you know, I was going there because I was suspended from school. But, yeah. um, but no, there's definitely, I didn't really personally have like, uh, like mentors and um, things like that for, you know, people that I, I had people that I looked up to, but I didn't have like, there weren't like a lot of programs that I was exposed to, if I can uh. say. Um, but uh, once again, uh, you know, the Haitian culture, they're really going to push you towards the positive way more than the negative so mm -hmm. they're not gonna let you stray too far away yeah. um, especially if they love you they, they love you they're gonna keep you yeah, yeah. you know tight not for sure so when did you pick up the clippers was this a, a team was this early yeah I, bro i've been i've been i've been kind of since like middle school man oh like, wow bringing my clippers to school taping people up in the bathroom <laughs> um but i really tapped into uh i've been barbering for about 17 18 years now mm. and Legitly, um, right after my senior year in high school, 07, literally right after football season, um, I got my first job at uh, this barbershop on Coral Springs Blades. And um, literally after football season, I had more time on my hands. I was always cutting during football season. And I just, I went full throttle with it. I said, you know what, despite what, um, you know, what my parents want as far as, you know, in the Caribbean culture, it's either lawyer, doctor, yeah. engineer, you know, all these big names. You know, barbers kind of frowned upon, yeah, but yeah. It, it, it meant way more to me than just the title. You know right. what I'm saying? It, um, so, yeah, so right out of high school, man, I got right into it. Yeah, and what was your vision for it back then? And I'm asking back then because barbering is like totally different today. Yeah. <laughs> with the yeah. internet, with how Social you media, get a haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah going viral, house calls, whatever the case may be. So back then, were you thinking kind of like of the bigger picture or just like, hey, I like cutting people hit? No, I, I I looked at it like when I got my first like legit haircut, you know, opposed from, you know, Haitian barbers giving me a cut and just giving me a low boy zero all over and, you know, I'm getting cracked on at school. But when I got that first cut, that first real deal, line up, sharp and, you know, you, you just felt like you could conquer the world. And yeah. Bro, I, I, when I started cutting and I started giving people that feeling, uh, it's almost like a drug. You just wanted more of it. You mm -hmm. wanted to give it, you know, you wanted to give that back that much more. Yeah, yeah, no, not for sure, bro. And I think uh, you just spot on for that because, you know, I remember as a kid, like, they would change the whole day. The whole, day. I mean? whole day. You Especially that much kids money. are real, real, man, kids are. And once you get the compliments, you know. The compliments is everything, but if you don't, if you're not fresh, <laughs> you gon' you gonna know, but when right. you fresh, you gonna know. But when you don't, boy, nah, for real, man, they gonna get you. Yeah, so you know, in this uh, career of barbering, so you've been doing it for eighteen years, eighteen, seventeen, yeah. eighteen years, seventeen, now, eighteen yeah. years. How do you balance uh, your personal life and barbering? Because we all know barbering is a demand, especially you got yeah. high clientele, consistent clientele. So with that, how do you balance that? And this is my, I'm thinking about this video that was on Instagram. A guy posted, he was like, uh, talking to his barber, he was like sending a video. He's like, I don't care what you got going on. When I need my haircut, I need you to be available. <laughs> and it's crazy because that's really how customers think. Because yeah, I yeah, sometimes yeah. find myself like, hey, what you mean you're not available today? And I'm yeah, like, nah, we gotta have a life too, man. Before, so how do you, you balance have that a life. out? Yeah, man, I, th I think I really started, before I kind of let barbering kind of control me a little bit more, but about 13, 12, 13 years now, I've been on Booksy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that really taps into your professionalism, your time management, my time management, my client's time management. Um, those days back in the day when, you know, you go, you go to a barbershop, you wait for five hours. I mean, I remember having 14, 15 people literally just waiting yeah. for hours on end, waiting for a haircut. Those days are done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the books that you get, you book it, you, you, all my time slots are set up. You know when I'm going to be in the shop. I can schedule my my booking system three months out, um, bro. It's 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 the wave, bro. Literally, yeah. like, and I think because of the pandemic, uh, that changed a lot of uh, a lot of barbers' minds, mind frame. Because you know we weren't able to be in the barber shop and stuff like that, and so now more people are making appointments in these past two years. But bro, I've been doing this for. 12, 13 years, yeah. you know, on point. And my clientele knows, like, they come in, you might have two, three minutes, bomb, you're going to be right in the chair. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. makes, it makes your, your, you know, I'm able to take trips. I'm able to, you know, go out if I need to go out because my, I know how many people I'm able to cut within a certain time frame. And my clients know that as well. So yeah. they know they got a book within this time and this time. Don't wait too long or else you're not going to be able to get taken care of. And uh, that's, that's, that's how you have to do it. If you want to have a life and you want your professionalism to be at a certain point, a booking system is the best way to go. Yeah, nah, for sure. And um, I'm thinking about personally people in my life, and I know some of the listeners that follow to the podcast, uh, my best friend, actually, he just, he's in the process of getting um, his uh, barber's license. Mm-hmm. So for those who may be aspiring barbers, you know, what's some insight and advice you could offer to them? And I guess even not just inside the offer, but like outside of that too, what's a challenge that you see that's affecting Barbara? Um, some insight. The first thing I can kind of say is um, don't chase the money, man. Um, it, chase the passion. Chase the love for the craft. Uh, if you chase the money, and you're going to have issues with money because if that's your forefront, oh, oh, I can make a lot of money. I can cut this many people, cut that many people. You're taking away from the actual craft, the beauty of barbering. And once you tap into that and you hone into that portion of barbering, everything else is just gonna flow. Your clientele is gonna flow. I don't think, since I think that's that's one of the positive things that I could say about me is because I've never looked at the money aspect of barbering. So I, I say that because, you know, just like I said earlier, my parents wanted me to become a lawyer, a doctor, uh, go to something in the medical field because of the money that you can make and stuff like that. But um, I was searching something different than the, the money, you know, yeah. was the, the passion, the love behind yeah, yeah. it. And I think that that's a testament to my clientele now. Yeah. And, um, and not to brag, but I have a hefty, hef, hefty clientele. Yeah. And um, that's because I don't I don't go after the money. Right. I go after the art. I go after the quality of work. I go after the professionalism so um but some things that are challenging um that's what you asked me right yeah so what are some things that are challenging that i could say <sighs> um follow following certain barbers and trying to emulate what they're doing at that time because there's a lot of barbers that are where they are because of what they've been through in that craft to get them to where they are now so I think everybody needs to find their own journey through barbering yeah. and don't focus, don't look at, yes, yeah, social media is going to play a big role, but I think sometimes you need to take a step back and focus on, you know, what are your strong suits? Uh, what is it that you love about barbering? 
Um, you know, how do you feel about, you know, the communication, that, the client consultation that you have, um, building a rapport with your clients through the haircuts. Um, focus on all of that stuff more and building those relationships because, bro, you, I've, I've never realized, I would have never realized how, how many relationships I would have built through barbering and how I would have been able to come back to certain people that I've dealt with and they, you know, they've been able to help me through certain things or I've been able to uh, help them through certain things. I think if you focus on all of that stuff more and just focus on your path, you know, that dash that they talk about from the time that you're born and right. the time that you mm -hmm. pass, focus on that, that your barber dash, you know, you focus on that barber dash and that's going to take you, you'll, you'll, and, and appreciate every level of growth yeah. that you go through in your barbering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's solid, bro. And I think it's, I think it makes sense how you just say, you know, do it for the passion. Because I even I'm thinking about my friend, like, you know, he's starting off cutting, but, like, he ain't really making money yeah, at all. Yeah, so, you yeah. guys, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. So, it's funny you said it because he was telling me one day how much he was charging for a cut. We was like, what? He's like, this ain't 1985. He's like, man, I'm trying to build my clientele. That's what, yeah. I was like, I got you, bro. You, you take the loss now, but you're, it, there's a greater picture. You got to have a greater picture for in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, with all of that said of who you are, your morals, how you were raised, where you grew up, um, you know, the type of things you have uh, that you stand for, um, I want to talk about Cuts from the Heart. I want to get into that, um, you know, tell people a little bit about that, how you started that, why you started that, and what you all are currently doing. Yeah, uh, Cuts from the Heart, once again, that's my, that's my nonprofit. And um, Cuts from the Heart kind of just, I was already doing a lot of charity stuff, um, giving back free haircuts for the kids back to school and um, uh, cutting uh, mental health uh, kids at certain facilities and cutting the homeless. Um, I think I really, what really got me tapped into um, cutting, cutting the homeless is what really made me kind of, okay, I got I to I gotta do this more. It's kind of like I was searching for something. Yeah. During the pandemic, I kind of went through a stint where I was going through a, um, a, a breakup and um, I was going through a dark time in my life. Yeah. Um, I have to mention, um, I had two kids. Um, I had a daughter in 2017, and I had a son in 2018, and um, God bless their soul, they, they passed. Um, my daughter was with us for 29 days, and my son was with us for uh, just, just a few days shy of three months. Mm -hmm. And um, through that whole ordeal while I was married, you know, going through, um, you know, having to run a business, um, and going to the shop and having to deal with barbers and having to deal with my wife that was at the, in the hospital with my daughter and, and then the next year with my son. Through going through all of that, um, it really made me, you know, I really didn't have like an area where I could, you know, call my, call my own, like peacetime or me yeah. alone time. It was, I was always ripping and running, but the only time I really found my peace or my therapy before I even tapped into my mental health. Um, barbering was my therapy. Barbering was my, um, gave me my peace of mind. Yeah. And I, I gained that through, you know, giving people that feeling that we talked about yeah, earlier, yeah, feeling yeah. like you could conquer the world and feeling like, you know, I could, I, I could bag any female yeah, right so now. You do, as a barber, you don't know how much you do. Like, nah, you, you might don't. pay the reason I got the number, the reason yeah. I got the job. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I told you when I was in Miami one time with the Wolf, I'm waiting in line to get in the Wolf, and the host is just like, she's like, your barber ain't play no games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so y'all, you know, barbers play a major role. Yeah, in confidence lives, level man. going through the roof. Yeah, that, I think I, I was going through that dark time in my life. 
or those dark times in my yeah. life, the, the main light that I found, um, the consistent light, is while I was cutting my clients and yeah. their reactions to how they felt after their cuts. And I think, um, you know, like I said, I didn't have, I, would, I didn't tap into my mental health um, like I am now. You know, I, f I found therapy years later, yeah. but um, that was my therapy. Like, so when I really started, uh, when I got away from um, the cl my, my clients aspect and I tapped into the homeless aspect um, mm. and cutting these homeless people, um, bro, I think that I just, it's something that I just kept trying to chase. Like, uh, just knowing how, you know, these people, you know, they're, they're living on the streets and, you know, yeah. they, you know, some of them might be, you know, on the verge of suicide or something like that. Yeah. And just feel down and out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I come out there and I, you know, the first time I went out there and the feeling that I got, um, and if, just to see, you know, I have a couple of people cry sometimes. They yeah. I show them the mirror and they see the cut that they have and, uh, you know, tears come to their eyes and, you know, we sharing that, that bond. We're building that. I'm building a rapport with these homeless people. I'm yeah. connecting with these homeless people. And, you know, I never would have seen myself tapped in, having a full-length conversation and building friendships with these yeah. homeless people. And yeah. um, I think for me, that was monumental, man. I didn't, once again, like I said, I'd never seen myself doing that. Doing but it. to see how I felt after that was, bro, yeah. was breath, it's breathtaking at times, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about that dark moment, um, losing two kids. How, how did that because I know it tested it, but like, how did that impact your faith, your relationship with God? Because, you know, sometimes stuff happens, and, you know, no matter how deep we raise and what to believe in, yeah, you will yeah. question God. Oh, It'll make you yeah. be like, you know what I mean? Because I've been through that, through family members getting sick and stuff, and I'm like, this ain't adding up, this don't make sense. Mm -hmm. But how did that, like, impact, you know, your faith and how to lean on that word and really get out of that dark space? Man, I, I had... Um I literally turned my back. I can I can say that. You know, a lot of people aren't going to say that. Um, I literally turned my back, like, on the church, going to church aspect. Because yeah. I think that's one thing that we get misconstrued. Going to church is not a re having a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know, the church is just the church. Yeah. We The church is just the place. Right. We are the church. Mm -hmm. So um, I say that to say, you know, you know, my ministry with me cutting hair um, is what cutting hair and me doing the homeless outreach and cutting certain people for free. I, that's my ministry. You know, I had I had a I had a hard time for so long trying to find my calling. Yeah. And um, I found my calling in my dark place. Mm -hmm. um, me having my ministry through giving cuts away and I don't want to say this to for my clients to say oh man yeah give me a free cut and I don't work like that There's a, I'm trying to I'm different you know I'm splitting that I'm separating that but um but no that that's that did it for me and yeah. I think um that held me I was just telling my sister this the other day um shout out to Cheyenne Verdrine I love you um I I was telling her the other day I'm like I feel like you know my nonprofit, and at the time it wasn't my nonprofit. um I was saying that held me just enough for me to slowly get my faith back because, you know, losing, praying for, um, for my kids and, um, you know, praying for a certain outcome, not once, but twice, yeah, yeah. that really uh, put me in the dump because I was like, man, God, not real. Yeah. I said that, like, 
And if somebody, if somebody's ever told you that they they went through something, they didn't feel like you know yeah. God was real. You know, you're not being real with yourself. I'm being real with myself. I knew what I went through, and I knew that, you know, I felt like, you know, God wasn't real. I prayed for something, and it didn't come to fruition, and, you know, I, I questioned that, you know. But um, but like I said, me having my ministry and not knowing that I was working in my ministry, yeah. um, that held me enough for, for my faith to slowly start coming back in. And yeah. I'm not where I want to be, but I know... I'm not where I was, yeah. you know, and um, I'm out of that dark place now. Um, the relationship that I didn't have with my family in that, that time frame um, is definitely back now. I'm yeah. building it a lot stronger now, but, um, but yeah, I, I, that's a testament to cuts from the heart, man. Um, yeah. Literally cutting from the heart. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, so it made me think about a quote in college um, that I always keep in my mind. It's S. Renee Smith, and she said, when you find your pain, you find your purpose. And like that's something that I, you know, my Who said story, that? Uh, S. Renee Smith. S. Renee Smith. Yeah, I've I heard that books, before. I've book never. Called, uh, There's more inside, and um, it was my freshman orientation. Well, not your orientation, a freshman forum we do every week. And what well, that was 2010, so 2008, my best friend got killed in D.C. Mm -hmm. So that's what like pushed that quote is why I did social work, community. Even now, I always tell you yeah. the community work I'm trying to do. That all comes from that, and like that's really I know like that's my area that I thrive in the most, helping people, organizing events, putting community together, you know, influence whatever. Yeah. But it comes from that pain because that's why I was like, when, when we was 15 years old, you know what I mean? Like I got killed, shot in his head twice, you know, and I couldn't accept it, and I'm still trying to figure out why, 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 why. And that one quote, bro, kept me like going because anytime if I'm mentoring. Or if I'm trying to help a certain community, like I'm thinking about Ryan. I'm thinking yeah. about like, all right, I don't want a yeah. young to end up like him. Or how can we provide more program? Or how can we do this? So I feel you on that where it's like sometimes like to get out of those dark places, yeah. like you got to really give out or give something else, you know what I'm saying, help you with that. So. Yeah, and you're literally giving a piece of yourself. Like, yeah. I, bro, it's... And you've been man, vulnerable too. Yeah, you've been so vulnerable. And that's the thing. As, as men, as black men, I don't think we take being vulnerable as a strong suit yeah um you can't ain't nobody just all macho bro yeah like, yeah exactly you cannot feel like you cannot think that you're just hulk hogan you feel me even them boys that's that yeah. thing is fake <laughs> right. boys go home and cry you feel me like you, you gotta you gotta be able to especially in relationships yeah. when you have relationships with um a significant other or regular relationship yeah. with friends like that's i've had vulnerable moments with um you know with my with my ex-wife i've had vulnerable moments with with good friends yeah, you know yeah. and that that's what brings you closer right um in, in in any aspect whether it's mother and son or father and son or father and daughter or homeboy and homeboy yeah, client yeah. and i've connected on such a level with so many clients being them being vulnerable to me and our relationship growing and them, you know, learning maybe something more about themselves. Because I've had to tell certain clients, like, bro, you ain't got to act all macho with me, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if you feel like you need to tear up and cry, let it out. Yeah, yeah. You feel me? That's that's there's strength in that. Yeah. As those tears are falling, bro, you know, that's 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 you getting that much stronger. Yeah. You growing from whatever it is that you're going through at that time. Yeah. So uh, I think that vulnerability is is. It's definitely a strong suit. Now, I don't think us as, as I'm not gonna say just black men, just us as men, right. yeah. we don't take that as as serious. But specifically though, I mean, it is true that black men and coming from certain type of environment, like yeah. you was raised, it, you know, man, up, up, be, a, be a man, man, or they they associate uh, 
you know, being in tune with your emotions. Yeah, why you always crying? As, you, you know, it's a feminine trait or you're being yeah. effeminate. And nah, that's not right, man. Yeah. That's not right. So if you're raising a child like that, man, you're doing them a disjustice rather than doing something positive for them. Yeah, and you know what's... Um I forget what I was watching. Not even watching. I was having a conversation with one of my group chats. Uh, we were talking about, um, you know, just talking about the youth, youth violence all over the country. And that was one thing that they pointed out where they were saying. It was like, you know, a lot of this teen violence is because some of these youth, they don't even know how to control their emotions. Yeah, or they were only taught, like, to emotionally way, respond is to violence. violence yeah. yeah. Or suck it up or just hold it in. Yeah. But you hold it in over time, you you're going to explode. And you got the teen suicide rate. Come on, man. You know, At all time drugs, yeah. everything. So, um, and staying on that mental health. I'm glad you pointed that out. And I know right now, you know, with a lot of stuff with the internet, stuff becomes a hot topic. Mm-hmm. But, like, I know for me personally, and you probably experienced this, growing up in the church, it was no mental health. It was pray nah, God and nah, shut pray, up. Pray God and be- believe <laughs> let go, let, no God. let go, let God. Yeah, <laughs> right. literally. Let go <laughs> and let God. And they don't tell you how, you know, the one thing that people, when they say, you know, have faith as a mustard seed, have faith as a mustard seed, yeah. and then they talk about, you know, just leave it in God's hand. Yes, you can leave it in God's hand, but faith without works is dead. So if you don't push through and try, like, you can pray for a job. You can't just sit on your behind and think that the people, somebody just going to call you. You got to get out there, put applications yeah, yeah. in, uh, talk to different people, go, you know, get on Indeed and find different. If you don't put the work in, you're not going to get that job. You praying in void. Yeah. You feel me? You got to help God out. Nah, for real. And that's what each uh, episode on the podcast, it ends like that. Hustle plus faith equals success. I say oh, that at the oh, yeah, end yeah, of each you episode. Do, you do say that. You do but say it's that. true, though, because yeah. it's like, you know, you could pray, 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 pray. Mm-hmm. But God probably be looking like, all right, you got to do your watch school, Yeah, bro. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, another thing I always ask every guest that comes on here, we talk about dreams by any means. Um, it's something I call it any means moment. Uh, any means moment is that moment where it's like you may have, set a goal out that may have seemed like you couldn't accomplish it. You may have had a time where you were in a bad space that you got out of it. You may have cut somebody you always wanted to cut. You may have, I don't know, you may have just done something in general, but like, what is your any means moment? It could be anything. Ooh, okay. Okay, so I had a barber shop. Um, I had it for about six years called Glasshouse Barber and Lounge. And you know, that was one of my big goals. One of my big goals was to have a barber shop and have one of my own. And yeah. Um, you know, some things happened. I had a lawsuit that was following me and had some issues with barbers. And, um, you know, I, I came to a place where I was like, dang, man, you know, I made a decision where I had to shut the shop down. And um, to some people, it, to them, it might seem like, oh, that was a loss, man. Oh, man, he's he doing bad. He had to shut the shop down. He's not doing good. He losing clientele. Whatever the case may be, yeah. I looked at it's so monumental because me shutting the shop down I think allowed me to tap in more in my craft, one, mm. two, and, um, you know, definitely in my nonprofit. But once again, with the nonprofit, me being able to have that freedom to not have to deal with the, the different intricacies with the barbershop itself, it, it, it freed up my time so I can tap into my ministry a little bit more. Mm. And um, I, I, yes, I would have been able to do it with the barbershop, but... I feel like me having me letting the barbershop aspect go so I can let how can I put it so I can let everything else that I wanted to tap into yeah. grow more and I see it flourishing before my eyes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't look at um, me shutting the shop down as 
uh, a loss. I look at it as a lesson, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I'm, I've, I've grown from that. So I feel like that's my dreams by any means moment. Is yeah, that what any means moment? Yeah. Any, that's my any means moment. Like I had, I literally had to do that for myself. You know, yeah. You know, the, the aspect of having a barbershop, giving work, job placement to people. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, people that didn't have somewhere to work, and yeah. um, you know, I built a place where uh, a lot of kids from the local high school could come and hang out and stuff like that. Um, but you know that. That didn't defy me. I can, I'm still doing all of that plus more. Right. So, um, and I feel like me freeing that up allowed me to. That yeah, I feel like that's my that's my yeah. dreams by any means moment. And man. I think it speaks to your leadership, bro. Because I think sometimes we we think if we quit some or we let some yeah. go, it's like you're giving up. Nah, nah. But it's like. Like you said, if you would have stayed in it or kept going, something else might have took a loss. Exactly. Or, yeah. You know, the barbershop might have been a lot on you because I can only imagine. Like you said, you managing a shop, you trying to do maybe cuts uh, from the heart, you mm. trying to still get better at the craft, mm-hmm. you trying to go to church, be a family man. Like that could be a whole lot yeah, of work. Yeah. yeah, it definitely was, man. Yeah, it definitely was. So, so for for you, um, I would say you know I always ask people what's next, right? And I'm thinking about this whole conversation we just had. I'm thinking about. Uh, your why, I'm thinking about how you grew up, you know, everything. So, like, outside of your craft of barbering, um, you've owned open, owned to open a barbershop before. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is next for you? Like, what do you see next for you, like, in this next run? Bro, honestly, I'm trying to, I, I, I see so much for Cuts from the Heart. Um, yeah. I see Cuts from the Heart going globally, bro, mm-hmm. um, internationally and then globally like i literally want to go into different cities and different countries yeah. and islands and 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 tap into you know the the poverty ridden areas and 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 cut little kids and build yeah. relationships with kids elsewhere with the homeless in different states and countries and stuff like that um i see something it's wait that cuts from the heart like i'm literally you i could not get a dollar from from doing all this bro just yeah. the fact that i want to be able to just reach out and touch somebody in some way through conversation through the clippers and building up their morale and everything like that that's that's what i'm searching for i'm not going to get into too much detail i want to kind of show rather than talk about it but Mm -hmm. i do see uh cuts from the heart going globally and it it is it is yeah no no for sure and um Last but not least, you got to get a drop for the community day this Saturday. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely, definitely, because I know this is going to drop beforehand. Yeah. yeah, August 13th, we're giving out over 1,000 backpacks with school supplies, bike giveaways. Uh, we're going to have bounce houses for the kids, rock climbing, bro, you name it, man. We're giving free haircuts. I, I got like four or five barbers coming with me. We're giving free haircuts to all the kids. It's from 12 to 5, September, no, August, <laughs> my for August 13th. Saturday, 12 to 5, get there early. It's going to be a great day, great day of fun, fellowship, um, tons of smiles, kids on, uh, on, on these kids' face. Um, it's going to be beautiful, man. For sure, for sure. Well, bro, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man, um, talking about your why, talking about you know, your craft and just who you are. Uh, for me, this is also a learning opportunity for me to get to learn more about you and also want to give you your flowers and say, like, I appreciate you, bro. You know, you've played a major role um, in my transition from D.C. to Florida, coming back to Florida, coming down here in the summertime, you know, coming to see you. And, like, I think uh, something that people got to uh, always remember, especially when in, in the industry, if it's a, a you know, a, what they call the beauty industry, you know, barber and cosmetology. It's not just about the skill that's going to make a customer return. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you definitely out here, you're looking for the best bob, you're looking for the uh, best cosmetologist, but 
when I come to you coming to chairs, like I know I'm not just coming to get fresh cut. I yeah. can come and come rap to you about something. We could joke, we could fool around, I tell you what I'm trying to do. You bringing me up to community stuff, you yeah. doing all that, bro. So like I appreciate that because like I tell people all the time, like I don't know a lot of people down here, but I know the right people. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. you, bro. I appreciate you, man. My man. Love. All right. Thank you for tuning into Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.